big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and welcome to our podcast on repression mechanisms. This is Marion Rose. And Lael Stone. Hi. (laughs) Repression mechanisms. Yeah, this is another juicy one. Yes, it's a big one. And I think this is one that um, a lot of parents have questions around what actually is a repression mechanism and why is that so bad? You know, I think that's that's a really big piece that comes up for a lot of parents of trying to understand really what it's about and um and and yeah how to work with that yes. yeah yeah i'd love to even start with uh, i don't think it's bad mm. <laughs> i think that what i really value is actually understanding them and being aware of them mm. and then we're going to even talk about some places where we can actually find great value mm. in repression mechanisms I really remember when I started aware parenting, I don't know about you, Leo, but I was like, I, my children have no repression mechanisms. Mm. And I really saw them as mm. as bad things, things I really didn't want them to have. And mm. my opinion really changed over the years. And we'll, we'll talk mm. more about that later on. But. Mm. So do you want to start then, Marion, with talking about what is a repression mechanism and why we, um, why we do them as mm. humans? Well, when we have a feeling when we have a feeling and if we're particularly if we're a baby or a child in order to to be present with that feeling so this isn't a feeling that's caused by an unmet need so there are different types of feelings some feelings are caused by unmet needs and of course if we're a parent and we have a baby or a child who has is feeling upset and it's caused by an unmet need in the present because they're needing connection or they're feeling hungry or they're feeling overwhelmed or something's happening to them or I don't know the oh, I don't know the dog might be coming up closer you know there's something scary in the moment happening of course the most helpful response there is to meet that need so that the feelings will then go away so feelings do signal they're one of the amazing things about our bodies that our bodies will signal an unmet need by a feeling so that's one great thing but a lot of feelings are not caused by unmet needs in the moment. And so that's a very, very different thing. And what often in our culture, we tend to see that every feeling from a baby or a child is indicating an unmet need. So we tend to think that that means we need to do something right now to stop those feelings. The thing is, if those feelings are actually real feelings, babies and children have real feelings just like us, they feel frustrated, upset, disappointed, uh, scared, sad, confused, all kinds of feelings that actually are real feelings that they would like to express, would like to feel and express, that they they need a couple of things. They need us to be able to be present in our bodies and to be able to be with them whilst they feel those feelings so that's number one the second thing is if if we're not comfortable with those or if we don't understand those feelings that they're feeling and we think they're indicating an unmet need and we try to do everything we can to distract them what we're actually doing there is we're taking their attention away from those feelings 
those feelings are still there. So we're really simply distracting them away from those sensations in their body, those feelings. And although that can seem like the most wonderful thing, because of course we want our children to be happy and contented and so on, what that does is it, it means that they can tend to, in certain ways, start to disconnect from themselves when they feel those feelings. So they will start to do what we do to them. That's what they need to do. They need to learn how to be with feelings based on how we are with them. So they will tend to do what we, they will tend to respond to their feelings, how we respond to their feelings. And that can tend to mean, and I don't know about you and whether you notice that in your life, but when you, there may be some feelings that you find really hard to stay present in your body with. They may be that uh, rage or anger are, th are feelings that you feel really uncomfortable with. You don't know how to be with them or maybe sadness. And that's often because we haven't had as growing up as children, adults who, who could be present with us when we felt those feelings. So they would distract us or perhaps leave us alone. So we never learn how to actually be present with the feelings in our bodies. And what, what happens then is we need to learn to use various repression mechanisms to to actually stop feeling the feelings that are there in our bodies. And that can lead to all kinds of things. So, I mean, this is a really massive topic. I'd love to hear mm. where you'd like to go with that now. Mm. Well, I think maybe talking about what repression mechanisms look mm. like. So across the different ages. Yes. So look for babies, what a repression mechanism can look like can be um, sucking their thumb. It could be, you know, needing to put their whole hands in their mouth. It could be you know wanting a dummy all the time something to suck on kind of you know to to um you know to to stop them from crying or feeling yes. it can be just a really strong dependent on food or breastfeeding so wanting to breastfeed all the time yes. um a repression mechanisms in babies can be needing to be rocked and jigged all the time or you know kept moving as well yes. um it also can be just a disassociation like a complete checking out as well when a baby isn't getting their needs met so you know just no eye contact no connection those kind of things so and that can be just a way of soothing or just disassociating so they're not having to feel and i mean i'd really like to say with this too all babies will have a repression mechanism at some point we all have repression mechanisms as yep. humans yes. like we are there is not a gold standard of you have deal with everything in your life and so you never have to do anything yes. these are all parts of being human and i guess our invitation is to just observe particularly if you've got babies little kids even yourself what is it that you do when things feel really tricky or you have feelings to just check yourself out a little bit so you know for little babies that's a natural state that they can move into if they're not having their feelings hurt um, I know with my second baby particularly, we had a really strong breastfeeding repression mechanism. So whenever she got upset, mainly because I didn't really know what else to do, I would just put a boob in her mouth and she just would feed and feed and feed and feed. She was the fattiest, fattest, chubbiest baby. She was divine. And and look, this again, I really want to state, we love breastfeeding and breastfeeding is mm. amazing and it's not about not breastfeeding. It was every time she got upset, I would feed her, even if she just had a big feed. And so what developed then was this strong association with when I get upset, I need to eat something. So when I finally weaned her from breastfeeding around about two years of age or something, you know, then when she started to get upset, she would go, treat, can I have a treat? Like she really wanted something sweet. And she developed this really strong association with needing sugar when she got upset. And and she did that really for quite a few years until I really learned about her parenting, that every time she got upset, she was really insistent that she needed a treat. 
And then when I discovered aware parenting and started listening, when she started to do that, I would just say, sweetie, I'm not going to give you a treat, but you can tell me how you feel about that. And then all of a sudden, a lot of big feelings came out from those years of not listening. But that control pattern really shifted from food, you know, and and to the point where then she was able to just go, I feel upset. And she'd express what was going on without needing something to suppress it. Now, for a lot of you, perhaps, who are listening to this, who love chocolate, or who love ice cream, or who love wine, or whatever it is, you might be like nodding, going yeah that's me when i feel upset i want something sweet or i want a glass of wine or i want something to put in my mouth to make me feel better so that that can be a very strong association for babies that were overfed a lot um you know we also can see some links or you know lisa salter talks about this of babies that had a really strong dependency on their dummy or a thumb or something like that needing to put something in your mouth when you're upset so that could be cigarettes you know when you become older it can be a dependency on something else of needing to go in the mouth when you feel upset um and then as children grow you know moving into the toddler years or even children repression mechanisms can become technology in a massive way and i think that's what we see on the planet at the moment there is such a strong dependency on technology for a lot of children and you know I I often look at it with a lot of curiosity because there's a lot of seminars and stuff out there about helping our children with technology and you know they just say you just have to turn off the wi-fi or you have to just take it away from them but then of course when you're taking away that repression mechanism because what the technology is doing is is allowing them to move into that kind of numbed state then of course when you remove that then feelings are going to come up and so then parents are often like i can't take the ipad off them because they absolutely lose it and they're, they're so upset and angry and it's just easier to give it back to them and and then the cycle continues and i'm yet to really see any experts out there talking about technology that really do say if we take it away from them or we turn it off we really need to hold the space for them offering them connection then to work through what's going on so that's something you might find even in your own family how is your child is technology a bit of a repression mechanism for them i mean i know it is for a lot of adults hello facebook and instagram um, i'll put my hand up that i do that one uh so you know other repression mechanisms for for younger kids toddlers and it can be things like needing to be played with all the time like look at me look at me and needing to be really really busy and not being able to really sit still food is a very big one as well that it can be um, another repression mechanism um, can also be masturbation in young children so that can be something that they do that to numb out a lot and and i, I really want to state here clearly masturbation is absolutely so normal for every human um, and especially in young children because they're exploring their bodies and it feels good and i really encourage parents to never shame their children around that to um, you can have boundaries around it like that maybe something you want to do in your bedroom in private you know um, but absolutely never creating any shame around what they're doing and exploring their bodies but I have worked with quite a few clients whose children do it excessively um, whenever they're upset that's what they'll do um, to numb themselves out and and when we're seeing it excessively or there's a real urgency to do it that may be where the child needs a little bit more connection and holding the space when their feelings come up so that's something um, that I have seen quite a lot in my work as well um, other oppression mechanisms I know with teenagers it's got a lot to do with technology it can also be definitely as they move into the teenage years you know smoking drinking drugs all that kind of stuff are usually the big ones that we look out for 
because often when kids do become teenagers as well especially if they've had a big journey of not being able their feelings not being heard at all you know often as they become teenagers and they're individuating away from the family you know those feelings are harder to push down often you know a lot more rage comes up powerlessness comes up in a big way and therefore because children do have a teenagers have a bit more freedom they're then able to access the more of those dangerous repression mechanisms and you know i find in my own journey being able to listen to my kids' feelings when they were younger has has meant that through those teenage years, they haven't, you know, I haven't seen that in my teenagers, this, this need to binge drink or to take lots of drugs or to do those really risky behaviours. You know, there's definitely been normal experimentation and age-appropriate stuff that they're doing as teenagers, which is part of being a healthy teen. But using any of those things to completely numb themselves is, um, you know, I haven't witnessed that. And with some other families, I've also... We have teenagers who work with aware parenting, they say the same. And that's really what Aletha Salter's book, Raising Drug-Free Kids, talks about a lot as well, particularly in those teenage years. So uh, any other repression mechanisms that you can think of, Marion? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the the types that we can talk about, the, the kind of categories, because if we go back right to early on, thinking about babies, that there are really two forms of repression mechanisms. One are those that they learn directly from us. So often, uh, if we have, for example, if we tend to eat sweet things when we're upset, we will then tend to interpret a baby or a child's upset feelings as meaning they're hungry. So we will see through that lens, which means that often uh, we will have similar repression mechanisms to our parents and our children will have similar ones to us. So again, I wonder if if you have a think about that for yourself, whether that resonates, if you think about what your parents may have had as repression mechanisms what your child or children have. You might see that the similarity. Um, and the other one is ones that they actually just acquired themselves. So those would be more like the, the thumb sucking, for example. So those ones are more like when, you know, it can be when we're really busy. I see this often with um, children who uh, are have older siblings and maybe they're being driven a lot in the car and they have upset feelings they'll often acquire thumb sucking repression mechanisms so these are ones that they find on their own when they're upset and either we don't have the capacity to listen to those feelings or we don't understand that they have upset feelings they will then um, turn to these themselves so that can be a helpful thing as well to really look at because again you know this is what i love about aware parenting is such an opportunity for not only helping our children be more stay more deeply present in their bodies with what they're feeling but to help ourselves I mean in order to be able to do that of course we need to help ourselves be able to stay more present in our bodies when we're feeling upset so it becomes this real parallel journey of even just starting to notice oh look when I when I feel upset I go and scroll Instagram or Facebook when my child is upset I tend to want to uh, read stories or put the tv on or uh, you know, whatever the thing is, and you often see that link. So it can be such a gift to our children to really um, get support and help ourselves to start to be able to address these things. And this isn't about judging ourselves, this is exactly opposite. It's about being really deeply compassionate. And actually, I'm really passionate about loving repression mechanisms. Mm. And if you think about all the times that we were upset as babies and children, our parents didn't understand the importance of listening to feelings they would have absolutely saved us. And, you know, particularly if you experienced anything like time out or 
shaming when you're upset. You know, this often happens for men, particularly in, in older cultures, is if they were upset or they cried, they would have probably been shamed or punished. So a repression mechanism in so many cases would have, would have actually been protective. It would have protected from punishment, shaming, rejection, all kinds of things. So they're actually wonderful mechanisms. And I think when we can... Um, really see that repression and and then dissociation which is more about taking attention away from the body completely whereas uh, repression is more about you know taking attention away to a different part of the body um the more the more deep respect we have for these amazing things i really don't think we would have survived as a species mm. without them the more we can respect them and appreciate them and actually you know a lot of the work i do with adults is really about um helping them shift from that thing of judging themselves if they're if they're scrolling facebook late at night or or, or eating that i don't know the, the third bar of chocolate or whatever is actually to really have compassion and, and thank those repression mechanisms for all the times that they helped us when there wasn't anyone there to listen and i think that can change everything when we increasingly have that lens and have that lens for our children as well. So we're not judging ourselves or our parenting, we're not judging our child, we're not judging the repression mechanisms. Paradoxically, that tends to start bringing the, the kind of connection and compassion that allows them to, to lift because they go, the repression mechanisms go, oh, okay, well, there's some presence here, there's some love here, I can actually release a little bit so that you can actually feel what's really going on in the body. I I think that piece just then is so gold. <laughs> that little bit of what helps them is compassion. Yeah. What helps them is going, ah, oh, good day, you're here. Thank okay. you so much. <laughs> thanks for being thanks here. Thanks for all the times. <laughs> yeah, thanks for all the times you've looked after me. Thanks for all the times that you've kept me safe. Yes. Thanks for all the times you've protected me. And I'm going to have a lot of compassion for myself. You know, we are so judgmental for ourselves and our journeys and having compassion for those parts of us. And I've seen that so many times too. When we invite some compassion and warmth to that story, it softens the story and it loosens its grip a little bit. And and then we're able to feel a little bit more or go a bit deeper. And then that shifts and that changes. And then the same with our children. We bring that to our children. So... I really want to state again in this, if your child sucks their thumb or you have a dummy or you breastfeed a lot, it is, there is just nothing wrong. <laughs> like we just, you know, it is not you're doing it wrong or it's not okay. We always just invite people to be curious to see what may be going on underneath that, if there is anything to do or if there's not and there's no right or wrong within that at all. I think we, you know, we move to the spaces we can when we have enough space or when we're ready to to feel and to look into that and i've i definitely know that in my own journey of what my own children have done over the years they've done it because they've needed to and till i've reached a place where i'm like oh actually i can really help you with that piece now so and there's no judgment around that we're all just an evolving work in progress really and especially for ourselves you know that that is another beautiful piece about you know that we all do it you know so i mean my current repression mechanism is netflix and, um, series binge watching series oh, on netflix yeah. i'm a big fan of that if i find a good one i'm like oh okay i'll you know i'll see you in a few see hours <laughs> if, I, if i don't want to uh deal with something but then but you know for me i also have a lot of enjoyment i might watch a bit of netflix but then you know i'm also constantly i guess checking in with my listening partnership or i'm talking to expressing where i'm at and feeling it so so it's not like you can't enjoy these things these are all beautiful things to enjoy it's just when 
we begin to notice we're doing it to stop ourselves from feeling stuff that's going on deeper. Yeah, and that's one of the clues actually for ourselves and our children that if it's an if it's a repression mechanism, there's often an urgency mm. to it. And you probably heard my story when I used to have buying Havayana's flip flops as a repression mechanism. Oh, that's I want to say that anything can be a repression mechanism. It can be a. I don't know we didn't story. even mention that it can be like a, you know, for babies and children, it can be flicking your skin, oh. or it can be lying in a particular position, or needing a certain thing to be or, a certain. Or twiddling way. your nipple when Twid- they're breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. oh my god, my kids did that. That drove me yeah. crazy. So anything that you notice is is repetitive, and you notice perhaps often they'll do it when they're tired because that's when feelings show up. You tend to notice perhaps if they fall over or they're upset, they'll ask for that thing or they'll ask for it really urgently when they're clearly upset. Those are indications that actually those are not often not needs, but actually uh, repression mechanisms. Oh, I've forgotten where you I was going. Oh, the Javiana's thing. So, well, I, so it was a really great thing. Whenever I had an, another uh, an urge to go and buy another pair, it just was a clear thing. Oh, there's some feelings bubbling. So I think it can be a beautiful thing to start recognising <laughs> and that it can be absolutely anything and often just the most funniest <laughs> things. So I love sharing How that story. How many pairs have you got then? I don't have that as a repression. Oh, anymore. anymore. Oh, but I, what, I used to. Oh, I used to. I had a lot of pairs. I had like seven pairs or something, <laughs> all different colours. No other shoes, just just. just Oh my god, I love that. But I did also want to say that, you know, part of if if we're wanting to do this, and I love you talk about empathy buddies or listening partnerships from hand in hand, is that um if we want to increase our capacity to stay present in our bodies with our feelings, one of the most helpful ways to do that is to be with someone, to get support from someone, to hang out with someone who can be present with that feeling in their bodies. So that you you're getting that um real those mirror neurons that actual sensory experience of oh my goodness I can actually you mean I could actually feel sad and we and we can feel the presence of this other person who can absolutely welcome our sadness with every single pore of their being they feel so comfortable in that because they can be with that in themselves and the more we can have those kinds of experiences and we start to go oh wow I can really feel sadness sadness you're so welcome then we can really radiate that to our children as well. So I think it's so important to, to remember the importance of actually, you know, support and listening in our, and and having help with this. It's I, often not something we can just go, okay, I think often parents will go, okay, well, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop um, Facebook now forever. Mm. But if we if we don't have support, we don't have ways to help us increase our capacity to be with our feelings we're just going to choose some other repression mechanism we'll suddenly start drinking 75 cups of coffee it's the same with our children you know Mm. you may have bitten your nails as a child or your child may bite their nails if you if you take away that repression mechanism or if you take away their dummy but you don't have the capacity or the understanding to listen to those feelings they will need to choose something else to Mm. to repress those feelings with because basically feelings are physiological things if we're not feeling them and expressing them and releasing them, we will need to do something to distract ourselves from those feelings. It's just how it is. Mm. And, and I would just say within that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got to take my dummy <laughs> yeah. off my child, you don't have to, you know, yeah. and if and you might start really slowly and gently where you might actually just at some point where you can see your child's a bit agitated and, 
and wanting to reach for the dummy, you might decide just to not give it to them and just say, I'm here with you, honey, and you can tell me about it and just see how that feels for a few minutes, you know, and, and see what that feels like. Again, this is, you know, there is there is no urgency to take away these things because they are they're, they're beautiful things that we all develop as humans to keep ourselves safe because that's ultimately what we're doing. We're, we're just ultimately keeping ourselves safe um in and finding whatever ways we can to do it with so you know and and coming back again to the beginning to just say you know so much of the answer to work with these is compassion and love for ourselves for the humanness of who we are and for you know i, I always just say to really acknowledge how clever we are to find ways to look mm. after ourselves yes. you know I, I think about this in times in my life where i've had anxiety or um, when I had post-traumatic stress disorder or big, big times where there were big feelings going on and I wanted to do anything to numb them out, I, you know, including to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't want to live. This feels so painful or so big to do it, is to actually just move into a place of, oh, wow, actually, thank you for being here. You're here because you're telling me something. You're here because you're telling me I'm really out of balance or this stuff I need to look at. And when I turned it around from something I wanted to escape from, to something I welcomed to say thank you thank you for being here to show me something god it shifted mm. it shifted in the most magnificent way because it was always just trying to tell you something that was all it was and so when we again with our own feelings can lean into them and, and be gentle and kind and say hey thanks for being here I know you've got something to tell me and I'm going to listen slowly and gently and, and again gently is the way to do it then that's where we start to see shifts and expansion in ourselves. So, yeah, it's it's a really big piece to just go so, so gently with, so gently with. Mm. Mm. And, and on the other side to also know that it's such a gift. I, I wonder if you've ever experienced that of having maybe like wanting to reach for the for the next Netflix episode but actually maybe then talking to your partner or friend instead and having a cry and actually feeling relieved and... And that sense of relaxation in our bodies and actually what a gift that is as well. So it's honouring both sides, isn't it? And, and really knowing that for our children, anytime we do have the capacity to listen so that they don't need to reach for that oppression mechanism, that's also such an amazing, it's an amazing thing. So it's kind of loving both sides, isn't it? Mm. Deep compassion, mm. deep compassion for the journey. And and also to really remember, this is so new, the actual the capacity to listen to feelings, I think is a very new developmental mm. thing in, in humankind. I think that really empathy, the mm. development of empathy is only, I think really came around often in more um, bigger ways in about the 1960s. So it's, this is so new what we're talking about here. Mm. So to be really aware that's a big thing to do it's so new mm. and to be really celebrate mm. any time that your child's actually expressing feelings anytime that you're able to be present with your own mm. feelings it's amazing it's huge isn't it i mean and i really want to state too being an aware parent doesn't mean your child doesn't have any repression mechanisms <laughs> whatsoever i mean mary and i we have five kids between us and they've all still got some good healthy stuff that goes on that they do in little increments you know that that of course we make ourselves available to listen to feelings but it's not the goal is that nobody has anything, you know, because I think we're human and we're in a human body and we, you know, at, at that piece you're saying too, this is often first generation where parenting for a lot of people of, of bringing this awareness 
you know, to, to a whole lineage of repression. <laughs> so it's really huge. And, and again, we have to just be so gentle and be just, I just invite awareness, just observe it. Oh, I can see there's something going on there. Or I can see that I'm doing something because there's something else happening. And I love that piece, maybe just every so often moving towards what would it be like to share those feelings, to talk to someone, to just feel into them a bit more? What what would happen then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of little hacks as well. I really like that if you are about to reach for the the bar of chocolate, that even just to pause for one moment and to be present for that first bite. You know, I often say that connection is the is the antidote to repression. So that actually bringing a little bit of awareness and presence to actually enjoy that taste of that first bite of chocolate can actually transform it. Or even just pausing for one second and not not saying, well, I'm not going to eat it, but, oh, I'm curious. I'm just going to pause for one second to see what I'm what's going on for me. And I found that with myself. I used to have one. I actually does occasionally come, come around. It's kind of like a bit of like scratching my face and I notice if I'm driving I might suddenly start myself notice myself starting to do it and I'll often go oh okay what's just happened it often will be you know someone just cut me off or something there's a bit of uh fear that's there and I'll notice it and go, oh I'm scared I'm a bit scared and then I won't need to do it so sometimes it also it can be not as big as we think sometimes these things can be simply acknowledging oh I'm a little bit scared right now or I'm a little bit lonely or we're a little bit confused. So sometimes it can be little things like that that can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So I guess some some offerings for this uh, this podcast would be to to just observe, be curious, you know, about when you do want to numb out and, and what that might look like for you or what can you witness in your children when you are seeing that there's a franticness for something whether when you see that they're constantly asking for the same thing if you can just identify where it is where maybe they do have some feelings and they're looking for something to just numb out a little bit with it so just observing that and you know and then if you feel you know equipped to then maybe listen to some feelings or just being aware of how that might look for you um you have a course on this don't you do you have a course about making friends well, with yeah. your kids' feelings? Yeah. Yes. So go to Marion's website. She's She's got a course. Um, I think it's ma- making friends with children's, children's feelings. feelings. Yeah, perfect, which is exactly this. It is talking all about repression mechanisms. So go and check that out on her website if you want more. Or Aletha Salter's book, Raising Drug-Free Kids, does talk about this as well, you know, in, in many different elements. Or is there anything else yeah, you Yeah, I want to say something about Aletha's Raising Drug-Free Kids. Is The title can sometimes be a little like, oh, Gosh, and oh, I haven't got a teenager, so that's not relevant. And what I'd love to say is that it has sections starting with zero. And it's so much about really a long-term perspective to help children feel more connected with themselves and their bodies so that they do have less need less need mm. to to reach for things to to um, repress feelings as well as other other things too so it's a really I really recommend it as a as a book for mm. all parents to read whatever age your child yes and I, I mean I would just like to say from working a lot with teenagers and with parents with teenagers you do the I guess one of the main reasons why I find this work so powerful is that if we can help our children with their feelings as much as possible when they're younger, by the time they get to teenagers, they do have such a strong baseline connection with you that feelings are okay, that they will come to you with those feelings. So some of the biggest fears of parents I work with who are moving into the teen years is 
is my child going to take drugs and will they still talk to me and will they come to me with the big stuff and I have found that using this way of parenting particularly when our kids are younger you know then then the teenage years look completely different and I think again we we touch on this sometimes of that you know people are often terrified of what's the teenage years going to bring bring if I have a three-year-old that rages like this what's what are the teenagers going to bring? And, and I have to say that they bring a lot of magic. If you can listen to and keep that connection going, then the whole teenage paradigm can look completely different, you know, which I, yeah, I've seen that not in my own, not just in my own family, but with lots of other families I've worked with, with this as well. So that for me feels like a very powerful piece too. All right. Anything else to add, Marion? Oh, I don't think so. But if you if you want to have a little look and explore, you might even want to again look at the lineage. Do you notice what 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 were your mum and dad's? If you had a mum and dad, what were their repression mechanisms? What are yours? What are your child or your children's? And even just noticing those themes can can make a really big difference. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for being here with us on this podcast. Um, we really value all the beautiful comments and messages we get about the podcast and, and what everybody's receiving from it. So thank you. We really, really value value all that feedback. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for being here. Lots of love. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.